I used to sit in the preschool in tears. People say to me all the time, you're a parenting expert because you've got six kids. And I'm like, well, no, I know plenty of people with lots of kids and they're not parenting experts at all. <laughs> doesn't matter which school they go to as long as they're being well supported at home because I will not be camping out to get them into the out of area or the fancy private schools. From the news desk to the nursery, Mom! this is the Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. Yes, this is the parent panel where we invite two guests into the studio, a mum and a dad, to chat about the things in a way that only parents and carers of children can. Consider this your audio village. Our topics today are, we're starting with a serious one, following the awful shootings in Florida on Valentine's Day, comedian Michael Ian Black tweeted that America's boys are broken. Do we have a similar problem in Australia? Closer to home, my daughter has had a few run-ins with mean girls lately. And it made me think about what is the right way to deal with mean friends, especially when these children are still so young. On website Pop, Pop Sugar, mum Catherine Stahl wrote about checking into a hotel twice a year for pure, unadulterated me time without her partner. I'm asking our guests if they've done something similar and how important it is to be consciously selfish. And finally, this might be my favourite. While Jennifer Lawrence is making everyone shiver in her little black dress in a freezing London, I was thinking of another type of human who likes to dress inappropriately for weather, and that is small children. Joining me to discuss all these topics is Carrie Sackville, who's a writer and author. Her latest book is Out There, A Survival Guide for Dating in Midlife. And Grant Linden from Busy Dads, where he offers workshops for dads, everything from antenatal classes to fitness and meditation. Kerry Grant, welcome. Hello. Good morning. Hi. Hello. So let's just start with a little bit of um, a introduction to yourselves and your families. Kerry, tell me about your family. Okay, I have seventeen thousand children. Oh, sorry, no, I don't. I have three. I have three. It just feels like seventeen thousand. Uh, my son will be nineteen in May. Uh, finished school last year. My big girl will be seventeen in May, though. No uh, desire whatsoever to get her L's, which is really great. And I also have a 10-year-old, a little girl who's 10. Wow. What a range. Yeah. So I feel like I've been parenting for about a thousand years. Well, see, and I think Grant, you've got a similar – well, Grant's got four. Yeah. That's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) And the shop is closed. But, um, yeah, but um, it feels like we're so um, vastly, you know – Qualified. Anti- anti-polar, <laughs> right, if, if there's such a term, because, you know, I've got 10, 9 today. Uh, my 8-year-old Harlow um, turned 9 today. Oh, happy birthday, Harlow. Yes. Thank you. He's pretty happy about that. And then I've got a 3.5-year-old and a 2.5-year-old. Oh, oh yeah. So we're, yeah, we're, you're in the we're, thick of it still. Yeah, we've got a 10-year-old who wants to be, you know, a teenager, and we've got a, you know, someone still in toilet training. So. Oh, wow. Okay, well, yeah. this is going to be an interesting chat. We've got all the experience we need here. <laughs> yep. So let's get into it. First up... Do our boys have a problem? In the wake of the Florida shoot school shootings, I know, I couldn't help with the music. Um, comedian Michael Ian Black tweeted, deeper even than the gun problem is this, boys are broken. And a few days later, he wrote a really great piece in the New York Times, and we'll put a link to it on our website. This is just a small part of what he wrote. 
Men feel isolated, confused, and conflicted about their natures. Many feel that the very qualities that used to define them, their strength, aggression, and competitiveness, are no longer wanted or needed. Many others never felt strong or aggressive or competitive to begin with. We don't know how to be, and we're terrified. Now, we're not America. There's a huge difference there in terms of the issue with guns. But I'm wondering whether we have a similar issue with, I guess, the definition of masculinity. Um, both now with men and with our boys who are growing into that world that men have created in a way. And so, Grant, I thought we should start with you being mm. a man mm. and having mm. boys. Um, do you feel like there's a, a problem still in Australia around masculinity? Yeah, there is, you know, and, you know, it's been sort of since my father's generation, you know, who whose fathers traditionally went off to war and they came back and emotionally they were very cut off because they were dealing with all of their stuff from war, a lot of PTSD. They couldn't show my father's generation how to be men. There was no rites of passage um, and there was no traditional mentoring that went on, you know, or, or a lack of that. And Steve Bidoff talks a lot about it as well, about, you know, the lack of 14, 13-year-old boys who are moving into manhood slowly but surely at that stage and how traditionally, tribally, they'd be taken out of their nuclear family be taken away from their mother and their father, and then an uncle or a tribal elder would work with that child in becoming a man. And we don't see that very often now. In fact, yesterday I was with um, Justin Porter, who runs a program up in past Arnhem Land, and it's a, an indigenous rites of passage program they run up there called Rapery. Um, I'm about to get involved with that because it's incredibly inspiring. Mm. But it's it's stuff like that. It's the real kind of away from technology, away from social structure, away from um, you know who we are defined by our stuff. There's an innate urge for those young men who are experiencing great hormonal changes to experience their essence, you know, their masculinity, and and that's different for everybody. But. Well, um, Kerry, if I can bring you in here, because one of the things that I am still surprised about is when I hear from other parents that they've heard bo boys being told not to cry or not to be a baby. I mean, your son is now 19. I think he's... Um, did he just go away or was that one of your daughters? Yeah, no, he went away. He went away for six weeks. I, look, I, I'm really wary. First of all, I don't, perhaps I don't really understand what essence means. Like, I don't think we talk about girls' essence. I don't know why we need to talk about boys' essence. I think this whole... This whole argument is really a, a product of the school shooting, obviously, but I think it's really a product of the whole Me Too campaign. And I think men are turning around saying, we don't know, you know, we're being threatened, we don't know how to be. I think what's really interesting is that um, traditionally, over the past few generations, women have been encouraged to, to embrace more masculine roles. But the problem is men aren't encouraged to embrace more feminine roles because we've still got this idea that anything masculine is good and anything feminine is bad. Um, so I think that's where the problem lies. Um, you know, we, we have all sorts of um, boys, uh, sorry, girls, for example, with boys' names, which is really cool to name your kid Cameron or Taylor or whatever, but it's not cool to name your son um, Jennifer or, no. or you know, <laughs> Tracy. So, uh, and that's just one example of it. Um, but I think we've got to be really wary of generalizations. And for example, with the Florida school shooting, yes, there was this mad kid running around with a gun. And yes, to me, that's just a, a, um, about gun control and not about 
toxic masculinity. But what you've also got to look at is the number of kids who came out of that school shooting, went to Congress, are campaigning the White House, are speaking incredibly eloquently and passionately about gun control. They're politically active. They're compassionate. Um, some of them were crying on camera and a lot of them were, were boys. Mm. So I think we've got to be wary of these big generalizations. I think it's a distraction. Um, and I think, you know, when I look at my son and his cohort of friends, yeah, there are some, some you know, rougher kids, but the vast majority are compassionate, um, sensitive, smart, politically active young men. So I don't see a huge problem. What I'd like to know, because your son's older and I, I know that... And yes, that, he cries. Yeah, and he cries. And that's fine. Yeah, and also the fact that um, I know that you grew up without brothers. Yes. Um, and I'm a, a, I am have a brother, but I yeah. know nothing about boys, yes. <laughs> really. Yeah. And so when I look at my son, I wonder about how I can guide him to be a pla- to a place where your son is as a woman, right? And that's so true. When I found out I was having a son, he was my first child. I'd never had a brother um, and I didn't really have male cousins around. And I thought, how do I make him into a boy? What what do I do? And the thing is, he just became a boy. He was always very different to his sisters and gravitated towards different things. And And so the only essence I can think of is that he did grow into sort of a masculine kind of person who carries himself like a man. And, but did you feel like you and, had to guide him and, in certain ways in terms and, of crying or... And no, I, I, I didn't, but I was always... My goal as the mother of a son is to turn him into a, you know, who, he'll eventually be a good partner for some nice feminist girl. <laughs> um, that you will approve of. That I will approve of. That you like to have dinner with. So I'm constantly trying to drum... And he went to a boys' school, so he was surrounded by boys, but uh, you know, I'm trying to drum into him how to how to be respectful of women. That's my, you know, and how to um, walk in this world as as um, a good feminist man. And, um, and, yeah. and Grant, I think the other thing that what Kerry was saying that I think is really interesting as well is about that role modelling of men taking on feminine um, roles as such. Now you've obviously you've been a stay at home dad haven't you I have yep um, and, and my, can we just say that um, Grant is wearing a beautiful pink shirt yes at the moment em- so he's embraced the feminine he has, exactly. which I love yes there's a, there's a name for that colour what is it I don't know <laughs> it's like coral or something oh so it's yeah. not pink yeah yeah no uh, it's a no, it's uh, called it's, testosterone it's, pink it's, exactly yeah yeah it's called bloke pink yeah <laughs> awesome go Nancy. Yeah. well now that you've won <laughs> just taking one step further Kerry I yeah. love it yeah. um, with the when my husband was a stay-at-home dad, um, which was for, for the first time was five years ago, which wasn't that long ago, I still felt that there was some judgment around that. And mm. his, his mates didn't particularly understand that he'd chosen to do that. He, they didn't understand what he did at home. He, mm. They didn't understand why I was out doing things and he was at home with my, our daughter. Yep. Um, when you've been at home, have you, have you felt that kind of judgment or has it shifted over the time you've had your kids? No. I mean, I, my, my story is a bit different because I was a single dad at the time. So, you know, it was, you know, it, it was more of a compassionate kind of, you know, look in from other people more so than a role reversal because yep. it was just me. So I suppose my situation was a bit different, but um, I've known a lot of stay at home dads. In fact, a guy I know down at Nippers, he's just literally said, I'm not working for 12 months for no other reason, but I just want to spend time at home, you know, and um, I turned around and I felt like I should have said something, you know, but, or I felt the need to say something and it didn't need comment. Yeah, right. Do you know what I mean? And it kind of left me feeling that little bit of awkward because there's a lot of, um, now I'm super busy and, and Nessie, my wife and I are both individually quite busy. I don't spend as much time 
at home as I used to. Yeah. So more of a pang of that kind of wanting to just roll with whatever the kids want to do and, you know, maybe setting structure in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. It's a, oh, we could go on forever, but um, I'm yeah. going to move us on. Uh, you are listening to the parent panel. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Our two guests today we have invited on because they're wise parents. They also have a million children well, between them. <laughs> right. yeah, you're wise. Funny. No pressure. Um, <laughs> today I'm joined by writer and author Kerry Sackville and meditation and parenting coach Grant Linden from Busy Dads. Next, what do you do when your child has a mean friend? Kindling Conversation. Yeah, we did look at the soundtrack for Mean Girls to find that song, but anyway. So my daughter is uh, about to turn six, and she told me a few things that had happened to her at school, and I got way too involved, way too worried, and so decided to write about it. Um, I think part of the reason why I found it so confronting is my memories of forming female friendships are slightly bruising from primary school or high school. And my question is, how do we help our kids through these playground experiences? And and part of this problem for me is that they're so young. So does a six-year-old really know they're being mean and nasty? And if it was your child, how would you feel? I know, Kerry, your, your youngest is 10 now, probably in the thick of it. But mm. I mean, have you had this sort of yeah. experience? Oh, of course. And if you think it ends when they get to high school, you're wrong. I mean, my, my, oh, don't even talk to me my 16 year old, you know, the, the issues that go on with the girls is just incredible. Nothing's changed since, since I was at school. I loved your article. I thought it was spot on. I think they do know at six if someone's being mean to them. I think that it's okay to. Uh, separate your child from someone who's being mean to them. But I think you can do it. And I think you, you said this in your, in your piece. Well, I think you can do that with compassion. I think, I, I think you can be compassionate towards someone who isn't being very nice and, and talk to your kid about the fact that, you know, maybe little Chloe's going through a hard time at home. You know, maybe she's upset about something. Maybe she's getting bullied by her brother. Who knows? But she's not good for you. She's making you feel bad. So maybe we'll just stay away. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, with my kids at all stages of their, their childhoods, what's worked best is less focusing on the kid who's not bringing them joy and trying to encourage them to make as many friends as possible. Um, and some kids just naturally do that. My little one is really social and, you know, is, has playdates all the time. My son wasn't. And so that was really hard. It wasn't just a question of saying, here, make it, make a new friend. Mm. But when my big girl was going through some problems with friends a couple of years ago, I really just encouraged her to try and reach out to some others just so, you know, she could widen her social group and not, not have so much pressure to, to get along with the, with the difficult kids. Did it work? It did, but it was really hard and took a lot of support. And, you know, it's it's something I think as parents, you know, we're supposed to want our kids to be academically gifted or sporting or, or you know, gorgeous, whatever. Most of us just want our kids to have friends and be happy. Mm. And when that's not going well, nothing else matters. Mm. Yeah. So it was really hard. I've, I, you know, I don't think you over reacted at all. I think it's really tough when your kid's having a hard time at school. Mm. Well, Grant, um, your boy, your youngest hopefully not experiencing this at the moment given he has a this, mean but... he has a mean big sister yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. that can happen yeah, yeah. um what have you have have you had a similar experience with your kids yeah not the mean person or the mean that that exact scenario but i did have you know influence of um 
one of my my kids had a friend who they really loved each other, but when they were together, it was so electric, mm. you know, and you had to manage that. Yeah. Not only that, it was kind of, and that's cool. Because electric, is that a euphemism for naughty? Electric, <laughs> no, no, yes, naughty, but electric in all levels. They got yep. together and it was just like yep. everything was at 11, yep. you know, in spinal tap terms. <laughs> so, um, but this other child also was in the habit of, you know, swearing a lot, um, really inappropriate um, explosions of of like hitting and things like that. I mean, all kids go through that stage as well. But bring the crack swearing, pipe to your house. The you crack know. Pipe, yeah. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Exactly. So um, especially when they're ten. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> really Found them at the Ted Noffs one afternoon. No. Yeah. <laughs> but re- really, kind of bratty and and you know crappy kinds of behaviour. You know, and they were, they just loved each other. You know, so uh, and and the, the parent was a friend of mine as well, and it was very difficult to manage that situation. What did you do? It was just arm's length the whole way until that became a. just an easier relationship it became further and further apart and I think also you're allowed to say no more play dates with you know ex-child until you guys learn to behave and I've done that yeah I've had kids over for sleepovers and I found them up giggling you know this is when my daughter was eight you know up giggling at one in the morning Mm. and I said I'm sorry no you guys cannot behave together and there are some kids who seem to just bring out the worst in in your child and your child brings out the worst in them I still blame my best friend for failing maths in year 10 I have no doubt it was her fault it was all her fault I can tell you're brilliant at maths just by looking at you (laughs) funny you could go back and choose better friends yeah (laughs) she still is my best friend exactly no but, but just on that, you know, on that point, it's like um, behaviours would cross over to our home, you yeah. know, and oh. that's when it was like, well, you know, that's making you really clear with your child about what's acceptable and appropriate mm. and what isn't, you know, and it's, you know, we tried not to label the other child as being bad or, or anything different, you know, he's like, he just hasn't yet learnt the ability to communicate effectively and um, he's choosing, you know, Inappropriate and work, and you know. I'm I'm curious as well about being friends with the parent because in this situation that my um, daughter went through, it was my sister was good friends with one of these girls' um, parents, or still is, Mm. and we had this really. Awkward. We're not awkward because we're sisters. We were talking about it and we were mm. like, well, if it was my daughter, I'd want to know. And she's mm. like, yeah, but it's okay to say that. But then actually trying to find the words yeah. to say to another parent. And in fact, the advice that I got back from a psychologist, psychologist about this for the article was don't talk to the other parent because they're only going to be defensive because our mm. first instinct is to protect our child. Mm. I mean, did you ever think of broaching the subject with him? So many times, like so many times, you know. And, and Just something I, subtle like... We hate your kid. <laughs> Get him out. Catch these bricks. But um, but I actually had rehearsed the conversation in my mm. head quite so many times because I, I respect this other individual greatly as well. And um, but no, I never I never did. And it was actually probably through the actions of possibly not following up on on catching up for play dates and stuff that hopefully would have said something and i know that they were aware of the behaviors and how how um you know that can really start to separate the child from their friends and i think they saw a bit of that so hopefully mm. you know a few years down the track now that that information was you know assimilated you know yeah. it might not have been you know but 
It's a case-by-case case basis. It's very exactly. hard. You're listening to the Parent Panel on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. My guests today are Kerry Sackville. She's a writer and author. Her latest book is out there, A Survival Guide for Dating in Midlife, and Grant Linden from Busy Dads, where he offers workshops for dads and everything from antenatal classes to fitness and meditation. Up next, when is it okay to have pure, unadulterated, unadulterated me time? You're listening to Kindling Conversation. Is it the carpenter? No, Kerry did know that the uh, mic was on. I saw a drawing back, <laughs> drawing back from it so that you couldn't hear it too well. But actually, oh, I just feel all kind of moved and oh, do aroused. You? And not, not aroused in that way, but just, you know, like getting all these memories and standing I, in front of the mirror with my hairbrush. Oh, that's brilliant. I'm glad I chose the right song you then. Did. Well, this is re- in reference to an article that um, a writer, Catherine Stahl, wrote on Pop Sugar recently, and it was about how she spends two nights a year in her on her own in a hotel room. And quite frankly, just reading that made me feel insanely jealous. But when I think about that and why I'd be jealous, I, I couldn't honestly say that I can't do the same thing. Like if I turned around and said to my husband, this is what I want to do, he wouldn't say no. Um, and I just, before we get to our guests, I wanted to read a few comments from Facebook. And this first one comes from Kristen. And I really love what she does. She says, in our house, every second Thursday night is me night. Husband and I take it in turns each week. So it's once a fortnight each. On me night, you don't go home after work. Instead, you do whatever you want until the next morning. No work is allowed though. In summer, it's been a lot of laying in the park, reading a book, a beach swim, or on hot nights going to the movies. In winter, it's dinner at the local with a book, or it's drinks with my girlfriends. The only requirement is that you must have downtime. And when you do come home, there's no parenting responsibilities until morning. Whoever is home is at home is responsible for prepping bags and lunches and whatnot for the following day. And, and that to me is just, I was like, why don't we all do that? Mm. Like we could mm. all do that, right? Mm, mm, mm. If we had someone who if you could... had a supportive partner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm, mm, um, yeah. So my question to you guys is, um, what is the value of this kind of unadulterated selfishness, which isn't a kind of selfishness we have once we have kids? And do you think parents generally need to embrace it more? Like going back to what I said, where I was like, I could do it. I just mm. don't make space for it. Mm. Carrie? Oh, oh, 100%. I would go to a hotel two nights a week if I could. <laughs> totally. I have to say, when I was married, I found that a lot harder. And I think it's not because my then husband would have had a problem with it. He was supportive of that. I think because there's something about having to explain it to the other person that makes it sound indulgent. Yeah. You actually have to carve out the time. But now... You know, as a as a single parent, as a busy mummy single parent, um, I find that if I don't take care of myself, um, I can't keep going on. Um, you know, I work. I've got three kids. My son has always lived with me full time. The girls spend a couple of nights a week with their dad. Um, but you know, I, I do the vast majority of everything, um, and I really would not be able to keep getting up every morning and doing everything if I didn't take care of myself so I spend a lot of time sort of lying motionless on my bed 
Um, I spend a lot of time. I, I walk every day. Um, I make sure that I um, have uh, time out for myself as regularly as I can. I'm going away with a girlfriend later this year. Um, and I think it's crucial. And I think there are two things. One is we can't be good parents unless we're okay in ourselves. But the other thing is you almost don't even need an excuse. You don't even need to, to justify it. We're human beings. We have a right to enjoy our lives. Lives are so short. We have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. So just make the most of the time you've got. And if you can take some time to do something luxurious and beautiful for yourself, absolutely you should, just because you're human. Mm. Mm. And Grant, how do you look at this? Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. It's it's super essential, you know, and even from when I was a single dad, um, and that's that was how Busy Dads was born, you know, like I had two kids, two boys under five by myself and I had to do all the stuff that made me feel like I was still me and not just, you know, parent. Parent twenty four seven, you know, um, so fitness and and that's you know reading a book and you know meditation and nutrition and all those things that can quickly go south, mm. you know, convenience foods and sort of not training and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, with my wife, what we do is that we have a little, um, you know, we basically have mornings, you know. Yep. At the moment, it's kind of a bit, you know, scary <laughs> because our little one, we're resetting his self settling at the moment, so. But generally, we'll have mornings on and mornings off, you know, and you can do whatever you want up until like 8 a.m. So you can get up at 4 if you want and run a marathon as long as you're back by 8. That and sounds absolutely horrific. And you're <laughs> A marathon on your free morning. <laughs> sleep, woman, sleep. Or, exactly. You can get out and do whatever you want. Go for a surf, go to yoga, yeah. do whatever you want. Or you can just lie in bed. Yeah. But the thing is, when you've got four kids, lying in bed, mm. most of the time, unless you've got earplugs in with, you know, like cancelling out music yeah. on. Yeah, and also like a sphere. And, yes. A sphere of no poking. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, because exactly. I've, I've, uh, I try to do um, 20 minutes meditation a morning, but my daughter is often in bed with me when I wake up. And she'll just, no matter how many times I say, darling, it's meditation, you cannot talk to mummy. She'll go, she'll poke me and whisper yeah. at me. And I'll be there trying to be really zen, <laughs> shake my head. Go talk to daddy. Go talk to daddy. And it just doesn't. I put a lock on my door. Sometimes it's just impossible to get that time. Yeah. And yeah. I'm wondering, Grant, with those sort of negotiations, um, I know sometimes it might be easier now your kids are older, Kerry. Oh, yeah, of course. It's much harder when they're little. Yeah. Because now my yeah. kids can understand. I mean, my big kids are much more self-sufficient. And my 10-year-old now can understand, you know, I'm going down to my room. I need to have a nap. I need to have a lie down. Mm. You can't disturb me for an hour. She'll sit and, you know, watch YouTube. But you, yeah. it's very hard when they're little. You really need somebody else's help to, mm. to do it yeah. when they're so really would, small. So would you um, give your partner a ticket of leave for a weekend or would you ask her Yeah, well, I did it recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So And and same for me as well. Um, you know, I've just been given the green light for a surfing trip in Sumatra for uh, wow. nine days in August. Oh, oh that's so, amazing. And so, but, you know, <laughs> it, it's, the cavalry arrives, my wife's family's from WA, you know, generally friends or family will come and jump yeah. on deck and help out, you know. So, so it's, it's wider as well it's to wider. make it happen. It's exactly. wider supports. So much inspiration there. <laughs> Just before we go, though, there are some funny ones that I got on Facebook as well. Um, someone said... Um, when I, I when I only had one, I used to hide in the pantry and eat a Tim Tam. <laughs> Beck says I paint during play school every day for half an hour, and this is one I really like. Melissa says Master is in daycare three days, and I work two days. The extra day is for me time, which oh, I just beautiful. think is absolutely yeah, yeah, a really yeah. great way yeah. of working it out, isn't it? And and also the thing about that too is that you know that there's there's no 
need for you to do actually do anything. Yeah. They're in daycare. They're being really well looked after. Yeah. Mm. And you can actually sign off. Yep. Yeah. That's oh, important. So yep. much. Let's go out and do it. You're listening yeah. to The Parent Panel. We'll be back after this short break with the question, when has your child dressed like Jennifer Lawrence? taking every ounce of my being not to wrap along with vanilla there. Um, During a publicity junket for her new film, Red Sparrow, actor Jennifer Lawrence posed for a photo in the freezing London winter wearing only a little black dress. And so it made me think of my much smaller humans when they have demanded to wear clothing that was totally inappropriate for the climate. For example, for a couple of nights now, Darcy has been insisting that she wear her furry frozen onesie to bed in a, on a sweltering hot night. And all my husband and I have said is, you're going to wake up hot and we are not going to change you. So it's up to you. If you can change yourself in the night, in the bathroom and not wake anyone up, you can wear it. And then, of course, she didn't wear it. Um, when have your kids demanded they wear clothing that you thought was just ridiculous and what did you do about it, Grant? You've got the smallest children who are probably doing I know, it now. No, I'm just thinking of Winter, my, my three-and-a-half-year-old daughter, who just wants to wear tutus everywhere. <laughs> well, just the bottom half? Uh, some, she's got some that are like the top and the bottom, and she's got some that are just the pull-on skirts, you know, which right. are the best for me because they're quick and easy as well. But um, it's more that, you know, it's not – she kind of hasn't done anything inappropriate, you know. Sometimes, probably seasonally, she might want to wear – um, you know, the tutu only in very cold weather. Um, but with my boys, you know, um, my eight, now nine-year-old, he has a really strong sense of individuality with his with his fashion sense. <laughs> and we'll be going somewhere where it's like, you know, dress nice, you know, you're representing the family kind of, as my mother would say. And um, he would wear some really funky combos, you know, like <laughs> mountaineering boots with knee-high football socks. Oh, God. And, <laughs> A bow tie oh, and a jacket. I love that. Oh, I love that too. That's what it do. Yeah. Well, yeah. there is a cool factor to yeah. the, you know. I'm not sure about the socks, but the rest is great. <laughs> yeah. So just things like that. No, mm. Not really anything that's kind of. Where you've of... gone, you're going to catch cold and all the parents are going to judge me. You yeah, know, you get yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. What about you, Kerry? Did oh, you look, have... my, my little girl. She um, was given a couple of these kind of sun frocks from Hawaii by a friend and she loved them. I was not such a fan, but she loved them. And she wanted to wear them all the time. So in the middle of winter, we'd be going out and she would want to wear this shoestring strap sun frock. And I just think you choose your battles. And I would say to her, you're going to get cold. You're going to get cold. I'd just take a jumper along and inevitably she'd put the jumper on. And then she'd look even more ridiculous because she's wearing a woolly <laughs> jumper with this you know, pink sort of frock with frills kind of hanging out underneath and um, the thing that worries me more than that that kind of inappropriate dress choice is the kind of over sexualized um, dressing and my big girl was never a problem but again this this little one is is far different so yeah she was begging me for a crop top to wear to dance at the age of eight and I was like nah nah not gonna happen um, so I'd send her off to dance in t-shirt and leggings and I'd pick her up and she will have rolled the t-shirt like to right under nipple length <laughs> and, um, and rolled the leggings up. So they're like micro shorts. It's like, oh, I give up, you know, <laughs> throw up your hands, whatever. What can you you've do? You've won, you've defeated me. <laughs> you know, you found your way around the strict dress code. Um, but you know, fight your battles. And I think, I think anybody who's out, 
um, and and sees like a kid dressed up in you know a tutu and gum boots and a pink hat and a bow tie. They know it wasn't the, the parents. They know it was the kid who dressed themselves. And you sort of roll eyes at each other and and smile have a giggle and move on. And move on. Yeah. 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 yeah, Poor old Jennifer Lawrence though. She caught a bit of flack for that one. She did. She did. Yeah. And Another I think t- she I think she missed the point because I think yeah. she did dress like that because that's what society tells women to dress like. Yeah. Um, it was a hard argument to make yeah. when it looks so cold. So yeah. cold. And she's so gorgeous. She is. Anyway, look, um, that is all of the topics we had today. And I want to thank you both very much for coming in. It's been such fun. It's been great. Thank you. Good fun. And I love the music. Yes, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to leave a review and share it with your friends. The Parent Panel, new episodes every Friday.